King James Gossip, King James Gossip's podcast on all things Cleveland Cavaliers. It's your host, Nathan Beatley, here with our usual co-host, Jared and Kyle Hesketh. How are you boys doing tonight? Doing good. Great. And tonight we have a special guest joining us, so make sure to continue listening as we get into that. But before we get into that, we're going over last week's games. Now, we had four games last week. We... Took we lost to Washington and San Antonio, and we beat Memphis and Brooklyn. Did you boys watch all those games, or how'd that go down? I watched most of them. I wasn't. I think I missed. I definitely missed the Brooklyn one. Yeah, they they were all pretty good games, except for the Brooklyn one. The Brook the Brooklyn one was. They were not <sighs> all pretty good games. Now I jotted down a couple notes here. The one. Uh, Takeaway that I have is this team uh, has lived or died by the three. Yes. And they're going to continue yes, they to do have. that. Until Kevin Love is coming back or, or until LeBron or Jeff Green decide to live in the post a little bit more. Doesn't matter. I mean, LeBron put up 33 and 10 and 9 or 33, 13 and 9 against San Antonio. No one else contributed. They shot under 25% from three and they lost mm-hmm. by 16. And LeBron yep. had 33. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, until someone decides to come back. Or or come and and play in the post, like like Tyron Lue says they should. That's gonna happen. Like this team averages like thirty threes a game, a thirty a three point attempts per game, and that's I think that's almost as much as the Warriors, if not more. When you guys but, watch when you guys watch these games, do you see an offensive system in place? Because I do not. No. Yeah, I know, and that worries me. It looks like they're. When I watch at the end of the possession, or most of the time the possession ends and or starts with LeBron. Like it's I don't know if the players if the other players are scared to be aggressive or they're just deferring too much because we all know George Hill said they all have to be Robins with LeBron. And I think I think they might be deferring too much to him and that worries me. Yeah. So you really probably like yesterday when or I guess when this podcast drops, it'll be two days ago when Brooklyn, when George Hill put up, what was it, 26 or 23? Yes. Yeah. And, and he looked Brock, he looked very aggressive. He did. And, the then Rodney Hood, and then Rodney Hood came up with a clutch and one in the final minute of the game. I love that. Um, but like in the Spurs game, this is a problem with building your team around role players. Some, some, some games they're going to do well, which most of the games they have. And in some some games they're not they're not gonna produce because they are role players and they're not stars. So the thing with the Warriors is if Kevin Durant doesn't do well, they have Steph Curry. If Steph Curry doesn't do well, they have Klay Thompson. So it's and then Draymond Green has his nights. So that's what worries me about these Cavs is because Kevin Love is out. If LeBron doesn't play well, you we can't really count on those role players to. To um, carry, carry the, us. Carry yeah, the I know what you yeah. mean. So that's what worries me about these Cavs. But the Grizzlies game was good. 
The Wizards game was that was a tough game. The Grizzlies game I was actually kind of concerned about because it seemed for about 30 minutes of that game we let them hang in with us. Like it seemed like for 30 minutes of that game we really didn't care to win and then when we cared we just turned it on and we probably went on like an 8-0 run I think either at the beginning of the third quarter or towards the end where we just blew it up to like a 20 point lead. Yeah, we closed that game out really well. And the Spurs they just played their game and they dominated us. Like I I had no hope when I was watching that game because they repeatedly gave it to LaMarcus Aldridge and whoever was guarding him whether it was Jeff Green or Tristan Thompson, he was just he was just making it in their face. Like he was just balling out and the Spurs played like perfect basketball. And going back and talking about just real quick having Jeff Green, like you said LaMarcus Aldridge was tearing up Jeff Green. Ty Lue's decision to have Jeff Green in there for scoring purposes was probably not worth it because Tristan Thompson did an okay job on LaMarcus Aldridge, like like someone said, as 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 best a job as he could. And then when Larry Nance Jr. was out there, he played really aggressive against LaMarcus Aldridge, and he, he made him force up a couple bad shots. Um, and I just I just don't understand the lineup – that Ty Lue threw out there at the end of that game. It didn't make sense to me. And in the coming podcasts after this one, that's definitely going to be one of the topics we will continue to go over because I think that's going to be a topic that's going to plague this team is how do they end games. Yeah. And what exactly. and what rotations and lineups Tyron Lue puts on the, on the court because Larry Nash Jr. played only 15 minutes against the Spurs, but he had the, he had the highest plus-minus rating out of all the players. So I'm I am consistently confused with what Tyron Lue does, and it's frustrating. Uh, I do understand that. That uh, certainly has its frustrations because as we watch the games, we don't really understand why we're losing to a Washington team that's about to drop us to fourth place in the East, mm-hmm. and is without John Wall. Like Brandon that Kobe. that game, I think made me the most frustrated because San Antonio. I'm just glad they're in the West because they always find a way to beat us. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, moving on from that, we're going to uh, introduce Mike Bassetti. He's the co-expert for Raptors Rap- Raptors Rapture. And if you know anything about the Eastern Conference this year, the Raptors are seven games ahead of us for first place, and they are .5 games ahead of Boston currently for first place. So we thought it'd be a good time to come on and uh, – Talk about their legitimacy and the rest of the Eastern Conference playoff picture. So, how are you doing today, Mike? I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're all good, I believe. And you're actually a new podcaster too. How was uh, how's that been going for you? Uh, it's good. You know, starting to get the hang of it, hosting and every different thing, joining. Up, so, you know, and uh, if you're kind of, if you're kind of like me, and you're just more or less a general NBA fan than a. I don't know. I do love the Cavs. But if you like General NBA, be sure to check out their podcast. I'm sure it's on iTunes. Probably not on Spotify yet. I don't think. No, not yet. Check iTunes or pretty much any kind of podcast app. It's the Rapture's Rapture podcast. Yeah, so there's our shameless plug for that. So we have a lot of different teams that could make really big pushes towards the playoffs. Do you anticipate a team like Detroit making it in this year, Mike? No, so they've cooled off. After they first got Blake, it looked like they were a legitimate threat to make the playoffs and really someone that you thought was going to push in the Eastern Conference. 
but they've fallen off. And I just think that they're not good enough besides the two front court positions um, around Blake and DeAndre. So I, I don't see it for him. The Heat also have tailed off a little bit, but I don't see them getting in. Kyle, Jared, do you guys have any opinion towards the Detroit? I know we haven't talked about other teams too much on the puppet internal, but what are we thinking about teams like Miami, Philadelphia moving forward? I think the I think the the top eight is pretty much set. I don't think Detroit's gonna wiggle the way in. Um, it's just not it's it's just the order the top eight is in. So Philadelphia could slide down to the eight. The Heat could move up to the seventh. Um, other than that, though, I, the Hornets. You know, I don't see any of them getting in. Um, my biggest fear is where the Cavs will land at the end of the season because they're tied right now. The Wizards and Cavs are tied for third and third place, and the Wizards play against Golden State tonight. So hopefully they'll lose, even though it's like a lose-lose for us because as Cavs fans, we don't like Golden State. But the thing is, in the East, people say the East is weak, and I, I, I really, really disagree because right now the Cavs would be playing the Bucks in the first round of the playoffs. And I know as a Cavs fan, I do not want that to happen. But if we move to the fourth, then we play the Pacers, and we all know we've struggled with the Pacers like every year since LeBron has been back. So – we got to find a way to get to the second seed or the first seed, even though that's highly unlikely with how the Raptors are playing. But See, but at the same time, as Cavs fans, and I know this is kind of a slap in the face towards the Raptors, but we've never really cared about the seeding just because we've had LeBron. You know what I mean? Right, but you, you, you obviously want the easiest road to the finals, and that's always the one seed. Right, but you, you have to want to face Indiana over Milwaukee, right? Like I think, I think if you're in the four spot and you have to play the Raptors a round earlier, it is what it is. I don't think you want to face Giannis in the first round. Getting the Pacers in the first round is a blessing. Uh, getting the Pacers in the first round would be a blessing, but if it would happen, I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure the Bucks are going to be. I don't think they're as tough as people say. They're not really that deep. I'm not sure you should really consider Delvadova a quality backup or maybe like Tony Snell still on that team, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't think they're deep enough to go for – to even go five or six games. And I feel like we've struggled all season long in Indianapolis. Yes, we have. And although this team's always picked it up in the playoffs, we've really shown that all we need is a couple bad shooting nights from J.R. Smith and we're taking it now. Like the well, game against been, uh, the, the game is, against San been, Antonio, he's been consistent with those bad shooting nights. That's that's my fear. Yeah, he's, yes, he's, he's consistently bad. Yeah, he's no longer consistently inconsistent. He's just consistently bad. Right. Kyle, what do you think? Where do you um, think the Cavs will land, and then who? And if the Pacers, or not the Pacers, the Pistons will slide into the eight, or do you think the top eight's set? I, I think the top eight's pretty much set. I mean, I think the, the Pistons are four games back from Philly right now. and Or from the Heat, yes. Uh, excuse me. But I, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. And same thing with the with, with the Cavs. I don't think they're moving. Toronto's playing amazing right now. And Boston is 
probably got the best coach in the East, I'd say. So, in uh, the Cavs, just they, Kevin Love's not going to come back in enough time for him to make a big difference. And it's literally LeBron carrying a team. So, I don't see us moving. So, let me ask you this, going back to the Raptors, and let's kind of transition to the top three, since that's all we really only consider the top three playoff content or finals contenders now. I don't think you can really clip out Boston and Toronto quite yet just because of how they've played all season long in Boston, especially to start the season. So do you guys think there's any way that Cleveland could slide up into the two seed, supposing one of those teams drop and they hit a hot streak? Like, would uh, is that anything you see happening? Um. I can see I don't see the Raptors really sliding. I can see the Celtics over anybody sliding because of how young they are. But considering how well they've been playing, it's hard to even see them slide. So we're seven games back from the Raptors, so we're six and a half from the Celtics. Uh how many games are left in the season? A little over twenty, correct? Yeah, like twenty two right. for most so, teams. There's not a lot of time for the Cavs to really move up. So I wouldn't be surprised if we stayed at the three. And then the sad part is I wouldn't really be surprised if we moved down to the four, even though I don't want that. But it's uh, the, the problem is we got off to such a bad start that we kind of screwed ourselves over in the long run. But um, we'll see. I, I could see us moving to the second. That's about it. Yeah, the nice thing is if you stay at the three over moving – Moving to the fours, you only have, or I'm, if you move, if you're on the opposite side of Boston and Cleveland, if you're the Raptors, that's what you want. So you, if a Toronto fan, I want to see Boston at the two, Cleveland at the three. So you only have to face one of those teams. So unfortunately for Cleveland, it looks like they're going to have to play both the Raptors and the Celtics. And that is certainly not a position they want. That's not a position any team would want to be in. Not ideal. So let's go into the situation that we perceive will happen. The Eastern Conference Finals. That's going to happen late May, early June, I believe. If it's, if it's Toronto and Cleveland, and we didn't get to see you guys last year, I believe, correct? No, we did. We swept them last year. Yeah, it was a sweep. Yeah. Ooh, that may, that's even better. And the season before, you took us to six games, right? Yeah, but it was almost like a fake six games. It really you know, was. Luis Scola, Luis Scola was admitting on the thing that, well, you know, it's going to be tough to beat him at home. So it wasn't – it was the easiest six-game series I've seen. Yeah, literally, so. Kevin Love had two bad games. And then after that, Kevin Love had two great games, and it wasn't even close. It was it, literally – Playing like an all-star. Oh, yeah, for – exactly. <laughs> What do you have? What do you have? One game? You have like million dollars. <laughs> you got a, literally. You got a Tristan Thompson contract after like Mozgov. Yeah. So you guys beat us by thirty-four earlier in the season. I I actually remember watching that game. Van Vliet had the game of his life. I'm seeing here put up twenty-two, six for eight from three. Assuming that never happens again, do you oh, think it that? Has sense. Fred Van Vliet's for real. Yeah. Assuming that Fred Fred is for real and Kyle Lowry can make something in the playoffs, <laughs> and Demar has actually a good three point shot now, do you think there's any chance that the Raptors take it to seven or somehow beat them at six? 
Yeah, like, I mean, there's is a... this year different than the past failures that Toronto has had? <laughs> that sounds yeah, bad, I mean, but it's the truth. No, I understand. There's always going to be skepticism when you've struggled as badly as the Raptors have in the playoffs, and it's earned skepticism. Toronto fans, I think, are the touchiest in the NBA, yelling on Twitter how they don't get respect, but, I mean, it's understandable um, considering how they played. Uh, yeah, I think there's a chance. There always has to be – you don't expect the favorite to go down – but they always do, like when LeBron beat that Pistons team, they were a bigger underdog than this Toronto team. This year for Toronto, I think the difference is they're not so reliant on their superstars. So it was easy to stop Kyle and DeMar during the playoffs because they were so reliant on them and the offense was so stagnant. This year, the offense looks totally different. And if you look at uh, statistics like passes per game and things like that, the ball is moving in a totally different way. So they're definitely better prepared, but until you see them in the playoffs perform, it's hard to really give them any kind of credit. And I completely agree with that. I think you can play one one way in the regular season, but when you go into the playoffs, a lot of players tend to revert back to their old ways because that's all they know. And a lot of those role players don't perform as well in the playoffs. I'm sure we all see that before, but... Uh, if they play like they have been, they they could take the Cavs to seven. I still think the Cavs would win uh, in that seven-game series, but Toronto can make it very difficult. They've been playing extremely well, and DeMar's three-point shot is scary. Is DeMar, what, is DeMar actually shooting well from three percentage-wise? I know he's – I've heard – I haven't really kept up too much with Toronto, seeing as we haven't played him in over a month or two now. Yeah, he's not. He's still below average from three. He's not. Um, but it's quite, the threat that counts. Yeah, that's the biggest part. It's the spacing that you get with him shooting threes, and he's replacing those long twos with threes. So you mm. still get all the positives of his game as far as the driving ability, the free throw rate, and everything like that. And now you have to guard him out there, and he's at least shooting, and he shoots a decent amount of them. So it's not like he's giving you a low average percentage and he's just shooting a couple token shots a game when the defense gives him room. He's shooting real threes coming off pick and rolls and things like that. He's taking about three and a half per game and hitting about 33%. So that's that's not bad. I mean, that's respectable. He's making making the most... Pretty confident it's better than J.R. Smith. No, it's not. It's not? No, it can't be. JR's no, JR has to be at like 35 still, I think. Yeah. I, would I mean, it's definitely close. He's only, he's shooting under 40% for the season. He's at he's overall. at he's at 36% right now. And for a guy, let's just say this, for a guy that only relies on his three-point shot, that's trash. He shot 35% last year. Yeah. And that was even worse. <laughs> so yeah, the <laughs> the scary thing about DeMar is He's shooting the the most threes he has, and he's making the most threes he has. And you can't really stop his mid-range game, and when you add a three-point game, that's I mean, that just makes it a lot more scary. Yeah. Now, I think the thing that really frightens me about Toronto is that they play with such a different pace and that they do share the ball like that. But I think for me personally, it's not hard to rely upon DeRozan. It's hard for me to rely upon Lowry. And the fact that both, because if you're going to take down Cleveland, you're going to have to have both your superstars show up for four out of the seven games. And I'm pretty confident last year, or last year, 
you didn't have that. You didn't have both of them show up in any of the games. And that's basically what has to happen. Right. The The nice thing for Toronto is last year, Kyle Lowry was noticeably banged up, noticeably won. And he was second after at the end of the season, he was second in minutes played only behind, of course, Laurent, who's superhuman and doesn't count. But he was second in minutes played. And this year he's 47th. So the hope is that him playing so few minutes this season, he comes in more well-rested and is someone who you can actually rely upon. Now tell me a bit about this first-round draft pick you guys have that you're starting. So How's OG, he looking? At the beginning of the season, OG was phenomenal. He's a great defender. Um, he was still kind of gaining his athleticism back, but he um, since the new year about, he's been terrible from three and I would be, I wouldn't be shocked if CJ miles is the starting, uh, small forward come playoff time. I'm not going to lie. OG was one of my favorite draft King plays. <laughs> yeah. CJ miles, can, he can hit that three pointer. And every time he plays the Cavs, he lights us up. Like, no matter what jersey he is in, he lit, he lit us up in Indiana, and he lit us up in in Toronto. Like, he, he just is not like the Cavs. No, wait. Do you guys remember last year's playoffs when he missed that three? Yeah, then Paul George got all mad. So maybe he does like the Cavs. Maybe he'll do that again for us. <laughs> Hopefully, but he, he lights us up every time we play him. It's crazy. Well, he's a unique player because he's got – He's got such a good – I feel like he's one of those players that's never got the respect in the league that he's deserved because he's very good from the perimeter. He's a good finisher. He's an average defender, and he's tall and lengthy. So that player – I don't think he's ever got that breakout contract that the players nowadays are getting because he wasn't really in his prime when that was happening. But I've personally always been a big C.J. Miles fan. Right. And, Mike, I have a question for you. Back to the playoff talk. Like put yourself in a Cavs fan, like in a in a Cavs fan's shoes. If you were a Cavs fan, who would you rather play, the the Raptors or the Celtics? Oh, I think I'd I'd rather play the Celtics. Um, I understand Kyrie Irving is probably the best player, is a better player than anyone the Raptors have, but I, that offense sputters out whenever he sits, and I just there's not many people on the team that scare me. On the Celtics, I don't think they're as deep as the Raptors, and I don't think that their offense is nearly as versatile as the Raptors. I completely agree with that. I agree with that as well. Good answer. Well, I think for, especially for the Celtics, players like Tatum and Brown, while they're really great playing off of Irving, they haven't, they're too young to have developed a game without Irving. Right. And who's to say they're going to show up in the playoffs? Yeah. I mean, you do have that, outside whisper Hayward comes back, but even if he does, how effective is he going to be and how much can he be integrated back into the lineup? I, Boston doesn't scare me particularly at all for either team, really, the Raptors or the Cavaliers. Now, let me ask you this, Mike. You guys signed Kyle Lowry to, what was it, a three-year $90 million deal? Yes. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's three years so, for sure. I... I see all these players being signed to contracts that basically guarantee them on their team. Players like Blake Griffin, who 
somehow the Clippers bailed themselves out of that contract and gave Detroit four more years of media mediocrity. Do you feel that in two years when he's 32, 33, that your team won't necessarily be able to compete kind of in the same situations without the cap to get get the better role players per se? And do you think maybe DeMar will leave after that? Like, do you see this team being a perennial threat in the Eastern Conference? Or do you think this is the one of the last years of the, the little dynasty they formed? Well, I think he's he's started to regress already. You see it a little bit, but it's been a slight decline so far. So your hope is that he continues to decline slowly. And as he does, they have the Raptors have several young players, whether it's OG Ananobi, who's a starting small forward, and Pascal Siakam, who's fairly good, and um, Jakob Perto, who is a former lottery pick. They have a bunch of these guys who are on rookie deals that as soon as Kyle Lowry's deal runs up, their rookie deals go off. So I think their hope is that you have players like Lowry and Ibaka who will start to age a little bit. But as they do, these rookies will start to pick up the slack. And, I mean, they've you've already had big jumps from guys like Fred Van Vliet this season, and Pascal Siakam's made a major jump from a player who is just kind of an energy guy to someone who helped assist the other night. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Moving, yeah, moving forward, I just uh, because obviously, in the next couple years, we're gonna see LeBron start to deteriorate. Doubt it. Somehow, maybe (laughs) if that is even a thing. But it's kind of that Cleveland can be in the same boat too, especially with the contracts that they signed with Jr. and Thompson. And besides this Brooklyn Nets pick, the really the lack of young players that they have. I mean, not anymore, but kind of beforehand, the lack of young stardom, you could say. So I can uh I can relate to I can wishfully relate to what you were saying. Yeah, so Kyle Lowry's thirty one. I the way he plays, it's not like he relies on a ton of athleticism or bounce or anything like that. I think the hope is that he just kinda slightly declines and maybe in the last year of his deal he's overpaid, but being on only three years I think makes a big difference as opposed to if he got like four plus one or something like Blake got. Now, I'm not sure how much you followed Toronto earlier on in the season, like really closely, and especially in the offseason. But do you think, how much do you think he was pushing for that fourth or fifth year? Because just like Blake, Blake really pushed for that fifth year because he knew when in that fifth year, he's not going to be athletic and he's not going to be making 30 mil somewhere. Do you think that, obviously it wasn't a deal breaker for Lowry, but do you think that would have been something that could eventually draw tensions from Lowry? Possibly, but I just think that he looked around, and I don't think there was another team that was going to offer him that fourth year. So if you look around, you can see that you're not going to get it on the market. It'd be pretty foolish to complain that you got a three-year $30 million. I don't think he was going to get $30 million anywhere elsewhere, to be honest. Um, a lot of teams had their point guard shirt up, and a lot, not many won a 30-year-old guy. So I don't think it will be any tension. He's been pretty happy he kind of turned around his career in Toronto people forget that he was kind of teetering back and forth and kind of exploded in Toronto so I don't think that there's any kind of tension between the franchise or anything like that exactly all right Mike I think we're going to uh call that a day and wrap up our playoff picture do you have anything left to say to our listeners uh Fred Van Vliet all-star future (laughs) all-star oh that that should be on our next segment, on our hot take segment. Hot that's, take. That's, that might be too hot. 
<laughs> All right. Well, we enjoyed having you on, brother, and we'll definitely uh, we'll uh, have you back on if we meet in the Eastern Conference Finals for sure. When we meet in the Eastern Conference Finals. When? <laughs> you hope that. You hope that. Not us. Uh, all right. I'll see you guys. Thanks, Mike. All right. Thanks. All right. Now we're on to our mailbag questions because we uh we got some interesting ones this week, guys. So uh, I think the normal Vicky Jones, one of our faithful ma- mailbag question. Vicky. Ladies, she asked, uh, is something bothering J.R. Smith? Because <laughs> he's inconsistently shooting. His inconsistent shooting sucks. And Coach Lou shouldn't start him. Maybe Vicky should write for us. She seems to. Her, her comments seem to be very accurate. Every she time. seems to get it. You know she what, does. Vicky? Get in contact with Nathan. We'll have you on the pod. How about that? You got five yeah, minutes. We need, we need more Vickies on this. Vicky, we'll give you five minutes to say whatever you want. Get in touch with Nathan Paul on Facebook or Twitter. We'll get you on the pod for five minutes to say whatever you want. No, we'll give her the whole pod, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm let's, cool with let's, it. Let's stick to promises we can keep here. Okay, but back but to the question. I don't know if we. Sh- I mean, we've been saying this all season. We shouldn't be start. We shouldn't be starting J.R. Smith. Yet we do. We keep starting him because I think, if anything, it's a morale thing. Um, if we bench him, he'll never come back from it. So I think you either you either you either keep starting him or you 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 keep him on the bench because you can't come off the bench. Yeah, you but- know, in my in my most recent article. Not most recent, but in one of my recent articles, I kind of went into the same thing because I'm really not sure that they want to bench him. And I think it's just because of the morale standpoint, I don't think you get the hustle or the ener- energetic swag of JR if you leave him on the bench. But it's yeah. not there right or now as it is anyways. It's, it's, not, it's not there. He has a few games where he comes back. Then he has games like he did against the Spurs. And he just wasn't even there. It's like he wasn't there. You have a quality, long, athletic guard, I guess you can call him a guard, and Rodney Hood that should be starting over J.R. Smith. And it's not even debatable. Hashtag start Rodney Hood. Could be trending. Um, you, would, you would think that, but did you actually know? Fun fact, J.R. Smith, who never has rebounds or assists, is averaging more rebounds and assists than Rodney Hood. Yeah, but Rodney Hood's there to be a scorer, and he can shoot still. But that's the same as J.R. Smith, and I think right now, if you actually make that happen, you're just going to screw with the egos on the team. And no, because you got to... I don't disagree with you in any regard. I just think it's more of the the fit than the person than the actual ability, which it shouldn't be, but that's just kind of how I feel. I get where you're coming from. I do, but looking at the shots that J.R forces up or doesn't force up in the for, in the first quarter and that's I know that's primarily primarily Kevin Love's spot right there and we're trying to get JR get getting involved early so he can get shots and kind of take that scoring load off of LeBron a little bit he's not been producing and you know who has been producing off the bench Rodney Hood but then again maybe Hood plays a lot better off the bench we don't really know how he played in the starting role right but we know how JR is playing in the starting role, why not give it a try? I, I understand what you're saying with, with JR's morale and how he was already upset because Dwayne Wade started for the first 10 games or whatever it was. I understand that, but I don't know. It can't get much worse. 
We have the uh, we yes. have one of the worst scoring backcourts in the league, so Yeah, and honestly with uh I don't see it getting better anytime yeah. soon. Nope. Unless George Hill keeps balling out, which I hope he does. I and we can't we can't you know, we can't even be like, uh, oh, we should make a trade for it. Like we can't do that anymore. It's too, it's too late. <laughs> All right. So let's get on to our second and final mailbag question and uh I think there's some words that shouldn't be repeated in this one. <laughs> a lot of Say anger, em. it seems. Say them. No, I don't Can we get him. a different center, TF? CD, a rookie, is scoring more than TT. That should be a question, and it should be a yes. We can get a new one. Just throw his contract in the trash. <sighs> By Angela Jones. Oh, Angela. So Angela wants a new center. How do you guys feel about this offseason or even – I think that's what we were talking about in our group meet earlier is the likelihood of a buyout from Lopez or the other one was Deadman. And it's to rep- um, to a different dynamic to throw at teams. How do you guys uh, feel about the lack of scoring from our basically from every position outside of love when he returns in James and the, the bench? So- the solution to double T is the same solution to J.R. Smith is you start Larry Nance. Like instead of yeah, exactly. You start Larry Nance. And if you really want to see one, uh, our co-editor Quentin Alberti threw a threw down a really good article a couple weeks ago on the same topic whether Nance should start over Tr- Thompson or not. So shameless plug. Check that Probably out. Probably one of the few articles I agree with Quentin on. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. Anyways. The problem is we can't just throw Double T's contract away because he's making sixteen million. It's not like we can buy him out. He's making like it's not like he's making two million a year, and we can just say, "All right, we don't want you anymore. Buy him out and send him to the send him to the curb." And also, there's not many centers in the free agent market that would really help more than Double T is. And then thirdly, it's a little late for a Deadman and Lopez buyout because by the time this is published. by the time this is published, people who are bought out won't be playoff eligible. You got to be bought out before March 1st to be playoff eligible. So it wouldn't really make sense anyways. We're kind of stuck with who we have right now. All right. So obviously the Cavs need a new center. Kyle, do you have any uh, nice takes on that? Not really. It's really just starting Nance over double T is what I'm really getting at. What I'm really thinking right now. Nance is more athletic. He's longer. He's just quicker he's able to switch better he's somehow just as good on the offensive glass uh, <laughs> you, can, you can run th- you can run plays through him as well yeah he's a good passer he's a good playmaker he's a much better uh pick and roll roller absolutely an elite, an elite pick and roll roller Jeez, i'm not sure if this podcast was meant to like get into the rafters or just trash tristan thompson so. well no jared jared and i we were watching the Cavs game the other day and like the plays that we were seeing, I don't know what happened in JR and Double T. It's like they lost their brains because their IQ from this year to last year, it went from like 200 to like 10. Well, for Wait. Smith, his IQ from last year to the fall, the year before that went from like 200 to 10, too. So he's at like negative 30 now. I don't want – in like the way he jumps screens, I was watching it and I was like, why would you jump a screen like that? Like he tried to go around the screen over the top of it instead of under it, which would have literally cut off the lane, went around it, and the guy had a free uh, lane to the basket. It, it made zero sense to me. 
Lair and Nance is in another stratosphere compared to Church. Yes. Yes. All right. So, Angela, we answered your question there. Just start Larry Nance. And Vicky, just start Rodney Hood. Let's just shake up the whole lineup. Who cares about egos? And Vicky, I was serious. Get in contact with Nathan. It will get you on the pod. Yeah, if you're listening to this, we'll might as well. All right. All right. So it's time for fact or fiction. How about that? Let's get it. Now, Kyle and Jared, going into this, I only have three questions this week. I didn't really take too much, sadly. Um, they're both eleven and six, tied up. We're uh, we're gonna end the segment at the end of the finals. So just give you a little time scale on when. Uh, I don't I don't really know if there's gonna be a prize. Maybe I'll send one of them like twenty bucks or something. All right, let's get to uh, question number one. The Cavs have not won a game this season while shooting less than 25% from three. Fact or fiction? So fact. they fact. shot, they've fact. shot no, less no, than... Don't, tw- talk. don't talk. Fact, Kyle. Fiction. It's fiction. God dang it. I'm sorry, I got hot. Oh my God. Oh, the way it should be. Please forgive me. The Cavs have the Cavs have over ten games with fifty plus rebounds this season. Oh my god, that's hard. Ten? Ten games? Yep. Fact. I'm gonna say fiction. Kyle. Boy, two and oh. Jared's taking a turn for the worst. I'm still frustrated over my Corey Brewer arc. <laughs> All right. So the last one, we'll see if uh we'll see if Jared can go 0 and 3 in anger. The Cavs gave up their season. Okay, let me rephrase that. The Cavs gave up the season their season most in opponents rebounds per game against Brooklyn. Fact. Fiction. Wait. Fiction. Wait, 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 wait because Oh wait, no, hold on. Hold on. Like you say you say Brooklyn? Brooklyn had the most rebounds against the Cavs this season, like in all in all three games. Yes, four, whatever. No, many, just many? just in this just in their last game. Oh no, fiction. Oh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> uh, fact. Fiction. It's fact. Fiction. Oh yeah, fact. No, you changed. You changed, dude. I said fact. I said fact. I said fact. One and two. Was I wrong? There? I'm pretty No, give it to me. I'm going to give it to him just because you were crushing it this you time. Said, you said how the season motion rebounds? Yeah. Brooklyn had 55 boards. This past game? Yeah. They had 36. Was I wrong? Who who had 55 then? Was it Brooklyn another time? Stop with the thunder, dude. Here, I can check that after. That's that's embarrassing. We gotta come up with a new question real quick. I'm a spot. No, I was right. What you mean? I was right. <laughs> Fact or fiction? Is LeBron James uh, the only player in the 38 and 8 club? Fact. 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 Looked like uh, looks like Kyle went three and zero. Lit. And Jared went one and two. That works for uh, this week's <laughs> Fact or Fiction. Next week we will have the most accurate questions of all time. And we also need a new name for our 21 Shump Street Picks of the Week since we no longer have Shump. But we're going to get into that. 
We have the 76ers at home on Thursday, the Nuggets at home on Saturday, the Pistons away on Monday, and the Nuggets away on Wednesday. Do you guys get that? Uh, no back-to-backs in the next four games, but we have four games in eight days or seven days. Sixers, Nuggets, Pistons, Nuggets? Yep. First two home, last two away. And if you're listening, go ahead and uh, comment or let us know how you guys think this next week of games are going to go down. Sixers, Nuggets, Pistons. All right, I'm going to say we beat the Sixers at home, beat the Nuggets at home, at home, lose to the Nuggets away. Mm. Loss, loss? No. No, no, no. Win, 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 loss. All right, sounds good. Kyle, what are you going with? Uh, win, loss, win, win. I'm going to go with loss, win, win, loss. Going Ooh. surprising. And uh, just for all those listening, I think the updated scores here are me and Jared are tied at 14 and 14, moving into probably our eighth week of doing this, maybe, maybe ninth. Tenth. Either way, Tenth. definitely one of our cooler segments preparing us for the next week. All right, so that's all we got for you guys this week. DM us and let us know if you have any suggestions for any segments you'd like to hear, any questions you'd like answered. See ya.